Welcome to Your Life Now Radio Show, where your life matters. Your host, Coach Rhea, is a certified professional life coach with a passion to help make the difference in the world. Your Life Now Radio Show brings you powerful resources and effective tips to help you live your best life ever. And now, here's your host, Coach Rhea. Hello and welcome, my friends. I am your host, Coach Rhea. Thank you so much for being here live on the air with me. I am always so grateful for you, for each one of you, for listening to my show live, archived, and also for downloading the show on iTunes. I do appreciate you all. Much love to you. Just a quick introduction. I am the founder and the CEO of Your Life Now. It's a professional life coaching company. On this show, we try to cover a lot of different topics related to our everyday life on a personal as well as a professional level. Some of the areas that affect our life are as follow but not limited to our personal growth, professional growth, money, finances, spirituality, health, fitness, and also overall the quality of life. On this show, we have guests that come and help me along the way, and sometimes I host the show solo. Before I bring on my guests, I would like to set my intention as usual. My intention of doing this show is to help inspire you. I like to help inspire you to make some positive changes in your life so you can live the life that you desire. It's all up to you. All I ask of you on the show is to have an open mind and an open heart. Take what is useful for you and question everything. It's your right, your life, so make the decision that is right for you. My guests are professional in their field, so if you like, you can reach them directly from the information I provide on the show. And remember, the show is intended to be for information purpose and also thought-provoking. If you'd like to know more about me and how I can help you and be in service to you, please visit my website at www.coachingbyria.com. You can also send me a message here on the show, so make sure you follow the show for up-to-date information. You can also email me at coachria, one word, at gmail.com. That's coachria at gmail.com. I'm also on Skype, so please reach out to me if I can help you in any way. Your Life Now Radio Show with Coach Ria will return in just a few moments. Our guest today is Alden Taylor. Alden is an award-winning New York Times best-selling author of more than 300 books, audios, and video programs. He is the inventor of the patent InnerTalk technology and the founder and president of Progressive Awareness Research. Alden has been called a master of the mind. He has appeared as an expert witness on both hypnosis and subliminal communication. Alden was practicing criminalist conducting investigations and lie detection examination for many years. Alden is listed in more than a dozen Who's Who publications, including Who's Who of Intellectual and Who's Who in Science and Engineer. Alden is a fellow in the American Psychotherapy Association and an internationally sought-after speaker. Alden's books, and audio-video materials have been translated into more than dozen languages and have sold millions worldwide. Alden is the host of the popular radio show Provocative Enlightenment on Hay House Radio. He has interviewed some of the most interesting people on the planet. His shows are thought-provoking and always fresh in both their perspective and the exchange. Alden's new book, I Believe, When What You Believe Matters, explains in detail how our beliefs influence our lives in every aspect of it. Please help me welcome my guest, Alden Taylor. Thank you again for being here, um, Dr. Taylor. I know you're so, you know, humble. You always go by your first name. You never say, but I want to, you know, mention that you have a doctor um, as well, right? So That's correct, Rhea. Okay. But, you know, the one thing I am absolutely convinced of uh, is that when it's all through, 
all said and done, and I know you know this, you teach this from your heart all the time, and and we step over to the next dimension, float over, drift over, (laughs) however we get there. Uh, We're not going to take our swimming pools, our automobiles, our our favorite suit. We're certainly not taking our diplomas and our awards and all that kind of thing with us. Mm. The only thing we're really going to take is our experiences. Mm-hmm. And those experiences are are the richest when they're involved with relationships. So to me, the three R's are not about reading, writing, and arithmetic. They're really about reality is relative to relationships. You know, when we create titles, when we do that kind of thing, we tend to distance ourselves. And, and so... You know, I I don't do it. I guess uh, I, I wouldn't say that I'm modest. I, I would rather just like to think that I'm ordinary. You know, we are just all the same. But you are beyond being just an ordinary. You are actually an extraordinary person. And I've known you for many years. I've listened to your shows and I've read your books and materials that you know all the work that you do out there. So you're definitely not an ordinary person. And I guess, you know, I mean, it, we do live in a society, however, it's very superficial, and people are very concerned with titles and, you know, so on and so forth. You know, why would I listen to you, and why would I, you know, true, talk true, with true. you? So but people you know, associate, yeah, I mean, I, you know, unfortunately, you know, that's something that's never going to go away anytime soon, but, you know, in our mind, I'm, I'm absolutely on the same page with you. Okay. I have to add something, though, too, Please. to this, Hopper, Rhea. And that's, you know, I, I, the Tao teaches that, uh, you know, we are trained to look at things like a, a, a pot, a vase, mm-hmm. right. a wheel. Uh, in fact, a great quote comes from there are 18 spokes in the wheel. But it is the emptiness of the wheel that makes the wheel work. Right. And and for many people, that's what, what is meant by that. Well, you know, if you look at the hub of the wheel, the only way you're going to be able to put the wheel onto anything and, and make it carry a load is because it has holes right. in the wheel. Right. Well, when you look at a nice uh, pot, you know, think of a clay pot that would be handmade, and, and think of how people would describe that pot. They would typically, you know, well, it's uh, it's cast of a certain plaster, it's a certain color, it's finished a certain way, you know. Uh, what they're not going to describe is the space mm-hmm. What's within in the pot. There. Right. And, and you see, it is the right. space or the emptiness sure. that sure. makes the pot usable in a very real sense you know if we can just if we can get ourselves in a frame of mind where we realize that in the order of the universe we all are both material and non-material and sometimes it's what we don't do sometimes it's it's the space in us that gives rise to the uh, our abilities to be as unique as we are. Absolutely. And, you know, that takes us into, um, you know, my thinking about what you were just saying. Also, it's our own perception of what we look at, right? What yes. we create, of course, our reality and how we look at things and how we perceive life as whatever it is, you know. So when we look at a, like you said, you know, you look at a bowl, you look in at the outside, it's made out of cast iron, it's made out of this, and you made out of that, but you really never really paid attention to the real thing, which is, you know, how much space is in there, what is hold, what can it hold, what, you know, the specification, you know, the processing, all that information to see the value of that, whatever it is that you perceive in it is, right? That's um, right. Or you, you know, in, in the other words, you know, you, you take it and say, you know what, well, I have no use for this, so let's move on to the next one because there is no use for me on that. And that takes me into your book, I believe. I mean, I, I really truly believe that your book invites people to a new state of awareness, you know. And I've been teaching this, you know, for, for quite a you know, few years now, and I truly believe I'm still questioning and I still learn and I'm still curious. I ask a lot of questions. <laughs> Actually, it's like even in my practice when I, when I teach, you know, it's all series of questions, and I notice, you know, you do the same thing. But why do you really believe, and, and if you heard the beginning of the show, you know, I mean, there's a lot of different areas that affect our lives. And I, I, from my own perspective as a coach, you know, I, I look at things like, you know, what we think 
you know, obviously in our programs, our mental programs, our own beliefs that we had been inherited or had um, learned throughout our life, you know, affects how we live our life. I mean, there's no doubt about it. But I'd like you to take us a little bit more in depth into this. Why do you really believe or why do you think, we don't want to keep repeating the word believe here because we want to talk about the actual, the belief system that we have. Why do you think it affects our life in every aspect of it? Well, you know, the answer to that is I believe it from a number of of, of different domains. And and, and actually we have, you know, I don't know, 10 or 12 questions in your last statement. So let me just kind of pick it up. I know, right? (laughs) Okay, yeah, that's good. I like it. I love it, Rhea. You know, uh, by way of a bit of a background, for years and years, because I've studied this almost all my life, for years and years I asked myself questions like, why do people do these things? I mean, this is just mm-hmm. silly. This was a crazy thing for mm-hmm. them to do. And often, you know, I was asking these questions back in the days that maybe, you know, I'd just taken a confession as a result of a lie detection examination, and somebody had told me, well, I stole this in order to fix up the room for, for my new baby that was coming, because doesn't my baby deserve a room? In other words, they were rationalizing away right. what they were doing based right. on a need somewhere. You know, and, and as you know, we, we ran some studies at the prison system, and, and we discovered out there that, that they displaced responsibility, by and large, for their activity uh, by blaming it on society or blaming it on their parents. I mean, ah, but for the grace of God, there go you kind of thing. So, you know, what it all sorted down to from my life experience was these people have got a fundamental flaw in their belief system. Right. Not their not their religious belief, but their life beliefs. Right. Okay, now from an academic standpoint, you go into the literature, you conduct studies, you you know, you look at the research that's been done. And when you're all said and done from an academic perspective, you also walk away and say it is life beliefs, period, end of quotation. You know, mm-hmm. this morning I received an email from Edward Adelson. Uh, he's uh, of the Department of Brain and Cognitive Sciences, Computer Science and Artificial Intelligence Lab at MIT. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, this was all about one of, one of the illusions that he has that I, that I just absolutely love. Because what it amounts to is here's a chessboard. And we are so conditioned, so perceptually predisposed to see what we expect to see that that when we look at this chessboard, we know light, dark, light, dark, light, dark is the pattern of the chessboard. Mm -hmm. However, if you take two pieces that are the same shade of gray and place them in light, dark, Areas. In other words, you place the two, one in the dark and one in the light, you will still see light dark even though they're the same shade. It's an amazing experience. It is just based on our perceptual mm-hmm. need to see the world as we preconceive it. Now, right. that, you know, that's a... So then the third thing is what I think of as the so-called anomalous unexplained right. you know uh william james said uh, an axiom is a law it always is true so if you say a all crows are black i only need to find one white crow to know the law is false well now look when i went to school college I was told in, the, in sometime in your 30s, brain cells begin to die. And the brain is one area where those cells do not replace. False. Neuroplasticity. False. We know right. that's false. Right. Okay. I was told IQ is fixed. False. Mm-hmm. IQ is mm-hmm. not fixed. I was told uh, DNA is hardwired. False. Epigenetics shows us that your belief, what what you think, the the stuff in your mind influences your DNA. Well, these things begin to explain white crows. You know, we have multiple personality disordered patients in this world. That in one personality, blood sugar is normal. Snap your fingers, they change personality. They're hypoglycemic. One uh, personality, they, they're impaired, seriously impaired vision. 
the next personality, they have perfect vision. Snap your fingers. It, it goes on. One personality, there's a tumor, cancerous tumor. Snap your finger, that tumor on the, on, on the arm the size of maybe a golf ball disappears. Mm-hmm. One personality eye color is blue. Snap your fingers, eye color is brown. Now, wait a minute. What's happening with these people? Well, listen, the personality change takes place, and I'm not Susan. She's a stick in the mud. I'm Susie. I have fun. I party. (laughs) In other words, listen, I have changed my memory. I now have a different belief system about who I am. I, that belief system suddenly impacts my physiology. And almost, like I say, as fast mm-hmm. as snapping your finger, the physiology changes. When you go, wow, wait a minute, how is that possible? Well, the fact is, you may call it a white crow. We may think epigenetics underlies the, the, the actual mechanic of it. But it takes place. And the only thing we do know is that what has happened is the mind, the belief, the memory has changed. You know, you know, you know, Alden. You said ahead, something, Rhea. and I just—I'm sorry. I just wanted to uh, to to put this point on, and you said it yourself. The no part. I think it's really limited by how much we know. You know, so obviously, you know, if they can't explain a certain things, or they say like, you know, the the cells in the brain died after a certain age, or and they cannot be replaced, or whatever, because at that time when that research was done, that's what the information was. They didn't. They based it on what they had at that time as well. Well, and, and science is a moving target, and we have to understand that. So, yeah, I mean, I assume you're referring to when I went to college and they gave us all the sick stuff, and right. today we've learned that, hey, that's just not true. And right. the interesting thing is we're learning even more. I mean, listen to this. You'll love this one. I attended a CEU a couple of weeks ago, right. and th- this was a, a neuropsychology um, CEU, and uh, the facilitator was a neuroscientist. So the entire day was about hard research. This study showed that. The you know fMRI showed this. This study showed that. It was just data, 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 data. Okay. When we get to the conclusion, the very end, there were two takeaway points that were made. Now, these are really important takeaway points. The first one was you absolutely can change. Not only can you change your IQ, change your personality, you know, but you can even change your the physical nature of your brain. You can add gray matter to your brain. Okay, maybe we'll discuss some shortcuts as to how you can do that before we're off the show. But the but change is absolutely possible. The mm-hmm. second takeaway, and this one will floor you because this is neuroscience. Now I'm not talking about metaphysics, and I'm not talking about you know something in the other. This was a this this was a continuing education course for behavioral scientists. Um, you know the healthcare providers, the the so-called experts, and this was a neuroscientist giving this. And the bottom line, the second takeaway: you can only change. Mm-hmm. What you believe, you can change. Absolutely. I mean, that's that's a big one. You can right. only change what you believe you can change. Absolutely. If you're fixed in your mindedness, you know, well, you're going to have these beliefs that will limit you. It's that simple. And, you know, the words of William James, and, and obviously I, I, I think a lot of this man just beg themselves to be pronounced right now because, you know, James said a great many people think they are thinking when they are merely rearranging their prejudices. (laughs) True to that. True to that. Absolutely. Yes. That's so true. I mean, you know, obviously that's that's all brought in into, you know, um, what we have accumulated over the years and beliefs about, you know, what life is and certain things and certain matters and certain relationships and everything, all the areas that, you know, that affect our life. But, but you know, why why do you think it's so important for us to get clear of these, of these certain beliefs that we have? Well, you know, they are self-imposed limitations, you know, Absolutely. they're 
two books that I've read in my life, and they happen to be on my mind right now because my oldest son, uh, bless his heart, is at the uh, University of Washington in the Honors College there. And, you know, he asked, Dad, what are the most important books you've read in your lifetime? And, you know, one of them was Jonathan Livingston Siegel. Uh, by Richard Bach, and why was that? Well, because you know this 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 is a book that expresses potential, potential mm-hmm. beyond the possibilities of all the other seagulls. I can relate to that potential beyond the possibility of what you've been raised to believe. Mm-hmm. You know, when and, and I'm not I'm not criticizing my my father when I say this, but you know he. Uh, he had a way of telling me I wasn't smart enough, I wasn't tough enough, I, uh, you know, I four eyes, I would never amount to anything, I, you know, I, it, it, and and I can tell you from my own personal life that that had a tremendous influence uh-huh. uh, on on breaking out of these self-imposed mm-hmm. limitations. Yeah, you know, here's a story that I, I I really like. Roger Bannister said to the world of science in 1954 don't tell me you can't run a mile in under four minutes because I know I can and they said well it's physically impossible I'm sorry you, you're, you're mistaken the, 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 uh, the scientists the physicists the medical doctors the physiologists I mean they calculated stride length etc listen some historians even attempted to discourage him by telling him about Greek runners who had the best runners who had been chased by wild animals and they couldn't run the mile in under four minutes. All right, well, now listen. In 1954, Roger Bannister ran the mile in under four minutes, and that was amazing. He said, throw off all those imagined rules. I'll show you. (laughs) But here's the real important thing out of that message. To me, not only was he a Jonathan Livingston Siegel, but he performed it in front of everybody. And within Mm -hmm. a month, his record was beaten. Now, remember, it had never been done. So within a month now, his record is beaten, and 24 more runners within a year ran that mile in less than four minutes. There was a imposed boundary on everyone. It was like a collective belief. The second book that has had that import on me is the book called The Politics of Experience by Robert Lang. And the reason is it's a contrast to Jonathan Livingston Siegel. Lang says in his book, the condition of alienation, of being asleep, of being unconscious, of being out of one's mind, is the condition of the normal man. He says society values its normal man. It educates children to lose themselves and to become absurd and thus to become normal. He goes on. Normal men have killed perhaps 100 million of their fellow men in the last 50 years. We are not able even to think adequately about the behavior that is at the annihilating edge. But what we think is less than what we know. What we know is less than what we love. What we love is so much less than what there is. And to that precise extent, we are so much less than what we are. Wow. Juxtapose those. Here's the bookends. On one hand, the total potential. On the other hand, the denial of who we really are. Mm. That belief system mm. that to me is like a web. It is a I know. giant web. Right. You, That's you, true. you can't there's no such thing as an inconsequential belief that we hold. Mm. That belief system is what nails us in place in our life. So, as far as I'm concerned, look, if you're unhappy about something, it's a belief problem. If you fail to succeed somewhere, it's a belief problem. If if you feel unattractive and unworthy, it's a belief problem. These beliefs, many of them just acquired through our enculturation, that whole no, don't, you know, you're stupid, not smart enough, you're ugly, you're fat, you're skinny, all the stuff that we hear from peers as we grow up. But as importantly, the so-called shadow that we try and hide, that part of us, you know, that... It's told the first time we manifested anger. Hey, Mm anger is bad. You shouldn't show Mm -hmm. any anger, Johnny. You know, hide your anger. Suppress it, right? 
Yeah, and, and we, we take all these emotions, we take all these feelings, and we begin mm-hmm. to hide them. Uh, Robert Bly says we stick them in a long bag, and then we just kind of drag that long bag along with us. So every time we have a, a feeling, an experience, an emotion they come that off. we shouldn't express, mm-hmm. we, we, we feel that we have to hide them. And, and and the bottom line is, as we're doing that, what are we doing? We're hiding from ourselves? We're alienating? I mean, we're, we are becoming self-alienated? And does it surprise you then that like a chameleon, if we change our clothes, we behave differently? Well, of course we do, because we right. see images in TV, and if you have tennis mm-hmm. shoes and Levi's on, well, you walk differently than if you have wingtips and a three-piece suit, don't you? You know, there, there is so much into this, and I, I have a lot of questions for you. So I, I, it's fascinating. We should have this show for two hours, actually, because I would like to, you know, keep talking about this stuff because I think it's 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 uh, it's truly is true. I mean, you know, we we hide behind our feeling, and because we are ashamed, you know, and that all is brought up by what we were told about, you know, how we're supposed to behave, how we're supposed to feel, how we're supposed to do things. And, and of course, you know, adding the media, adding everything else, it's, it's uh, brainwashing, you know, of course, us to think in a certain way as well and to reinforce certain beliefs. So knowing all this, and, and there is no doubt about it, and I talk about this on the show all the time about, you know, trying to really get rid of some of these limited beliefs and, and these obstacles, I call them, because literally that's what they are, they, they are. like you said, you know. And, but is it really easy? And, well, yeah, it, I mean, you know, taking somebody who's, you know, I mean, whatever, how old they are, and they've been living in a certain way for so many years. Okay, well, I'm going to give you the good news and the bad news. Okay? <laughs> the good news is it's possible. It's never too late. Right. The bad news is, in one word, no. It is not easy. Anyone that tells you that it's easy is really... Yeah. They're only looking at a superficial level. We can change, and we can begin changing immediately. We can think of ourselves, in a sense, as like a a, a large body of clay, you know? And I want to turn this clay into something really outstanding, a Michelangelo-type sculptor. Well, uh... I'm not going to do that overnight. I'm I'm going to begin to change it immediately. And I'm going to be able to see that change immediately. But I'm not going to complete the process. Indeed, I'm probably not. uh, I believe life is that process of living into ourselves and becoming all that we are potentially capable of being, including and especially appreciating our unique nature and its overall contribution to the whole. One of the reasons that I wrote the book, I believe, was to map out how we get trapped in, mm-hmm. in the kinds of thoughts that we've been discussing, but, but then to show clearly how you can step out of them. We take little things. You know, I like stories, and I think stories are very teaching in their nature, but Many people aren't aware, and you remember a story for a long time after you remember just, you know, some lecture. Right. Uh, many people aren't aware, for example, that little things, you should just, just be, you know, begin with yourself. And you say, you know, I, I want to be a better human being. Where can I begin? Let's just assume that today you said, well, I'm going to begin from a point of integrity. Well, what is integrity? Well, you know, uh, the average person, we understand, lies three times an hour. That's quite a few lies in a day. Now, most of them are innocuous, you know. They're just little extensions of this or that. But, (laughs) you know, uh, it's still, nevertheless, that's that's quite a few in a day, right? Right. So maybe what I'm going to do is I'm going to change by I'm not going to tell any more lies unless it's a beneficial lie. And, And that can happen. I mean, listen... Your mother and father in an automobile accident will be that, but in this hypothetical, one dies, the other's in the hospital, the doctor says, whatever you do, don't tell them that, you know, your father died. And, and so, you you know, you're not going to walk in there and when mom says, how's your dad? Oh, he's dead. 
so that there are <laughs> right. there are times right. that we're talking about. Okay, right. Now listen. Why would I want to do that? Well, for two reasons. The first one is you may not know this, but the hard research shows that every time you tell a lie, you actually weaken your immune system. Hmm. That seems kind of incredible, doesn't it? Well, I'm going to tell you something else. Every time you fake a smile, the brain doesn't know you're faking. It pours positive neurochemicals on the system and you feel better. You're just hardwired in certain ways, you know. Uh, one of the things that I like to show audiences, live audiences, and if you'll bear with me, Rhea, I think we can do on the telephone. Please uh, do. To yeah. the entire audience out there and to you, whether you're sitting or standing, you stop for a minute, you pick up your right foot, and I want you to just move it in a clockwise circle. Are you doing that, Rhea? I Are am. Are you moving? Okay. Now I want you to draw a six in the air. Draw a six, six in, in the air. air. Okay. Okay. Did you draw the six? Okay. Uh, yes. Did you notice that your foot didn't continue to go in a clockwise circle? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Now, why is that? Why is see? that? You sound okay. Good. You see, you are hardwired to perform in a certain way because there are mechanics involved right. in 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 your mind body that you you that we just think of as our vehicle that we drive around on here on the earth. Okay. So understanding that you're hardwired, there are things like faking the smile or telling a lie that impact your physiology. They're not separate. They're not distinct. And the research shows us that. Okay, now, so let's say that we decided, honesty, I am going to practice honesty. The second reason you would do this is because what you're saying to yourself is, I'm an honest person. I'm a worthy person. Um, You can trust me. I'm the kind of person I would like to meet. I'm the kind of person I would like to do business with. You have increased your value immensely. You know, John Huntsman tells a story that I just I find incredible. He um, he sold one of his businesses uh, on a handshake. And by the time the attorneys got every, all the paperwork put together, several months had gone down the road, and the business was worth double what he'd agreed to sell it for, $57 million more million than what he'd agreed to sell it for. So when they got time to go to the closing table, everyone met, their attorneys, et cetera, there. Uh, the buyer said, you know, John, I, I know that uh, this deal is kind of, you know, it, your business is worth a lot more now, and and we're really banking on getting it. So, can we uh, can we make a deal somewhere in the middle? Can we come up with something, you know, that 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 works? Because he totally anticipated that Huntsman was going to walk away from his handshake. Mm-hmm. And Huntsman said, "No, I made a deal with you. I sold the business, and and we agreed on a price, and I gave you my handshake." And my handshake is my word, and if I don't have integrity, I have nothing. Well, you think about that for a minute. Isn't that the quality that we admire? I mean, that's some, We do, but you know, Dr. Taylor, um, Alden, I would like to to add to this something, um, to the fact that the majority of people, actually, I'm not giving an excuse for anybody, by all means, but I think the majority of people do find it easier to lie because of the fear of rejection. Okay, if they tell the truth, sure. people, most people cannot, let's face it, most sure. people cannot handle the truth, okay? Who said sure. that was Jack Nichols? You I, can't I handle the truth, right? Yeah. <laughs> but it's really true because I think, you know, you, you know, when you when you try to be honest with people and you try to be, I'm, I'm one of those people constantly direct. <laughs> I don't, you know, I am who I am, I always say, you know, I, I cannot pretend to be someone who I am not. It's not easy for me. It's not natural for me to do that. But I, I can tell you, I experience sometimes, you know, some kind of rejection. You know, people do not really take it that easy. You know, to say, okay. like, oh, my God. But I can't you know now, Rhea, you're experiencing the rejection, but what's being rejected? I mean, where's the error? Is the error in you or is the error in the no, person doing the No, it's in the other person. Re- it has nothing to sure. do with me. Sure, and and people do have that problem. Now, you know, I'm going to equivocate again because in a counseling situation, you sometimes just kind of, you know, 
color the universe and go slow and easy. All right, I, 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 and but your your intention there is the best interest of the client. Now, if your intention is always the best interest, as with mom and dad who were in the automobile accident, remember that hypothetical? Mm-hmm. If if your intention is always the best interest of that other individual, well, then, you know, we're really not talking about dishonesty, are we? No. 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 So no. what we're talking about here is outright dishonesty. I mean, mm-hmm. if you choose to be dishonest, even mm-hmm. if that means I'm going to be dishonest as opposed to be rejected... Well, then, that's your choice, that's your but choice, it does exactly. weaken right. your immune, and it does yeah. set you up to say, well, I'm no good. I, I don't deserve. I'm unworthy. You know, uh, the fact is, if I was worthy, I wouldn't have to worry about pretending to be somebody else, and therefore, I continue to be inauthentic and live in this this self-alienated way. I mean, listen. We're sold that every day on such a mass scale, it's unbelievable. There is one giant subliminal message in all oh, advertising. Totally. All and the that, time. That subliminal message in all advertising is you're deficient. Because mm-hmm. if, if you're not deficient, you don't need the product. Right. So the ad doesn't work. So the whole idea is, you know, you you don't look as good as you could, you know, better makeup, <laughs> is, right. better hair, uh, a fancier car. You, you mm-hmm. think of it. And, and we create these lists in our head, and then, you know, we go out and, and our ambitions, our life, our, our self-talk, our, our reasons are all built on this information that I think of as, as just cluster thinking and soundbite reasoning. I mean, the fact of the matter is the briefcase you carry, the way you walk, uh, depending on the clothes that you're wearing, the clothes you wear, your ambitions, your goals, uh, the methods and mannerism by which you speak, uh, you speak uh, the, they all have their origin in your environment. And and so it's at times like this that I like to say, you know, here's my favorite question. What was your last truly original thought? Right. And you know, Rhea, I always get the same answer. Tell me. Silence. 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 You know, because mm-hmm. the fact of the matter is when you really think about, well, what was my last truly original thought? Does matter. Right. Yes, it really does matter. Let's take a short break, and when we come back, we'll continue our discussion about our belief system with Alden Taylor and his new book, I Believe, When What You Believe Matters. We'll be right back. Stay tuned. Your Life Now radio show with Coach Rhea will return in just a few moments. I love what Maya Angelou had to say about the power of the spoken word. She said, I quote, words mean more than what is set down on paper. It takes the human voice to infuse them with deeper meaning, end quote. And that is the reason I made the decision to put my words into an audiobook. So please check out my spoken words in my new audiobook, Your Life, Your Way, The 10 Must-Have Goals to Improve Your Life. It's now available. You can either go to my website at www.coachingbyria.com and purchase it there, or you can visit the link I have provided for you in the show page, and I will post it again. Thank you so much. Welcome back. You are listening to your Life Now radio show. I am your host, Coach Ria. Thank you so much for being here. Today we are speaking with New York Times bestselling author Alden Taylor about his new book, I Believe, When What You Believe Matter. Welcome back, Alden. So before the break, we were talking about certain beliefs and how we're thinking. Can we um, pick up from there? We have to understand that there are two really creative forces in the universe, and one is that force that we call fear. And fear is sold to us every day. Again, uh, if I'm not fearful that I'm going to be rejected, I'm going to be fearful that I am deficient, like all those ads that come at me, or fearful that I'm unworthy, or or fearful 
and you name it. Uh, somebody cuts us off in five o'clock traffic. We have a right. fear goes off. It, right. it, you know, exactly. we call it anger, but right. the fact of the matter is, fear is a you know an acronym is just for every anger response. There's that spells fear. We have a nasty getting even response, and that spells anger. They're just circular in their nature. They just rotate. So anger is just an outgrowth of the fear, and and we'll often have these. These thoughts about, oh, I, I want to be careful about that. I could tip it over. And then we tip it over. And and the reason is we have inadvertently actually propelled that activity in the same way that that don't touch wet paint sign propels activity. Now, the interesting thing to me, most interesting thing to me about what you said had to do with your ability to monitor your thoughts mm-hmm. and halt some thoughts. Because mm-hmm. that's, see, when... What I try to do now is if I if I see something and I think, you know, if if I set the drink there, I could spill it and then it mm-hmm. could get on my computer. Right. What I do at that moment is I say, cancel that. For I know, cancel, cancel, cancel. cancel. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, and it does clear an honest-to-goodness new space. Right. And then I might also make some adjustment just to be careful. But the more conscious, and I think of it as being mindful, Truly mindful, you know. The more mindful we are of our moment by moment, the more aware we become of these potential hazards, if you will. And and so there, it's good to recognize them. It, it, that's healthy. Uh, and then, you know, mitigating them with a cancel-cancel and maybe making a slight arrangement as to where I set mm-hmm. that cup with mm-hmm. relationship mm-hmm. to my computer, that too is helpful. What I have done is I have become mindful, and the important thing there is then when the thought comes in that tells me I'm not good, I don't mm-hmm. deserve, mm-hmm. Uh, I, 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 I should be afraid because I'm going to be a miserable failure, uh, you know, life sucks and then you die. Uh, I don't get even. I'm going to get evener. And all those negative, self-destructive kinds of thoughts that people can have, when they come in, I can stop them and I can replace them. I can consciously begin to change that. One of the things that I do in the book, I believe, is give you many, many ways that you can change this stream of consciousness that goes on inside because that stream of consciousness is a mirror on your true beliefs and i'll tell you those beliefs i mean they are so powerful it's unbelievable and we can get ourselves routinized Mm -hmm. if you will into patterns in fact you know uh as you were talking i was reminded uh Part of what you were saying about, you know, your reality, expecting it the way other people expected it, mm-hmm. uh, and so forth, reminded me, you know, there's a tropical island that's uh, halfway across the world, actually, um, where the islanders, uh, the island is is called Tanya, where the islanders are still waiting for a pilot to return. And, and, and see, back in the Second World War, the end of the Second World War, a pilot, I think his name was Frum or something, John Frum, uh, flew into the island with a number of supplies. Right. And um, they built a bit of an airstrip, and for a while they, they brought supplies in, and, well, you know, everyone on the island prospered. Uh, there were extras uh, of of all kinds of things that these islanders had never be, never been aware of, ranging from candy bars to you know to radios. Uh, then, of course, the military pulled out. Johnny's GIs left. Uh, I think there was like forty of them at one point on the island, and so the island now every year has a celebration. And they're waiting for John to come back. I mean, they have their own in John they trust, you know, in John I trust. He will come back. And they have gone to the extent of maintaining a runway, this old dirt runway. They have a dummy that they set up in a chair in, in what used to be like a, a, a control tower. It wasn't a tower. It was just a cabin and, and with, a, with a hat on, et cetera. They have gone through, they have done everything they can do to reenact exactly the way it was before those GIs left. And 
and they know that one day he will return and he will bring this back because he said he would bring it back. Now, that's a routinized belief system that gives rise to a whole set of behaviors and those behaviors get carried out not just by an individual but carried out by a whole society and all of a sudden you have the world believing the four-minute mile cannot be beaten or that brain cells die and don't regenerate or that IQ is fixed or personality is fixed and and you name it. Listen, one of my favorite areas is to look at the coincidence, and I put that word in quotation marks, between the arrival of Newtonian physics and the disappearance of levitation. You know, there was a time that levitation was really pretty common, uh, reported everywhere. There are a number of Catholic saints who were sainted for right. levitating. And, you know, if you read some of the older books on, uh, you know, witchcraft, you'll see that levitation was one of the ways they tested for, for witches, okay? So this was a pretty common thing. But Newton's law of gravity told us we were heavier than air. Right. And as that information went out, levitation stopped. Right. And, you know, we still have the occasional instance. And in fact, I Googled levitation not long ago, and there were some Zen monks that, that bounce like a ball. They curl themselves all up, you know, take a hold of their knees, um, and then just bounce. They go 8, 10 feet in the air and 10, 15 feet in in one direction, hit the ground, bounce again, 8, 10 feet in the air, go another 15 feet, hit the ground. Incredible. I mean, listeners can all Google that. Uh, but uh, we don't see the kind of levitation that was uh, common prior to Newton's law of gravity. Is it possible that as we become aware of these new laws, that we just created a new uh, synthetic ceiling, and that ceiling is our limitation? I mean, listen, mm-hmm. they train fleas for the, you know, flea circuses by putting these invisible domes over them. So, you, you know, like a fishbowl, you have this glass dome over the top. The flea flies into that dome a few times. Pretty quick, it doesn't fly higher than the dome. Mm-hmm. Now you can take the dome off and it never tests it. It's like the elephant tethered when it's young with a huge chain. But when it's older, tethered with almost a shoestring, it reaches the end and it knows that's as far as it can go because as a young one, it raced against that chain and slammed itself down time and time again. So it it refuses to challenge it any longer. And so much of where the human condition is, is locked into this way of believing, this way of acting, this way of thinking, and that is a travesty because there is so much potential in every human being that, you know, if there's anything that I can do in my life to awaken that potential, uh, let that be what I do 24-7. Oh, my God, this is so much. Yeah, I have to tell you, I'm, I didn't even want to take a break because I'm, I'm trying to get as much as we can, you know, with you. Um, Alden, please promise me you come back again, and, and you know uh, I, I still have a lot of questions, and I hope you you're okay with the time. Um, you know, I mean, let me interrupt back. you. Of course, I will come back anytime. I love oh, you. I, I, I enjoy I'm having conversations. Great. I love what you do. So now oh, I'll shut up and let you, you go. Thank on. you, thank you, thank you so much. I also want to thank everybody in the chat room. I see a lot of people logging in and out the chat room, and some people from Greece. And John signed in, and I think he probably out now, um, from Greece. Hello, John. And uh, um, it's always great. I'm, I'm always grateful, to be honest with you, to be doing this show. But back to the believe, um, uh, Eldon. Now, believe affects a lot of areas in our life, okay? From It, it affects our relationships, but I, I, I think or I believe, <laughs> you know, everything in our life is about relationships, right? Whether it's it's someone, yes. you know, close to you, someone far from you, anybody that you come in contact with, right? Yes. So if you have such a belief about how relationships should be, you know, you are limiting yourself. If it, your health is the same thing, you know, you, you talk about it in your book. Can you expand a little bit about some of these areas that you really feel, you know, our beliefs really, really could be harming us more than, you know? Well, 
we we all hold lots of if you will dissonant thoughts um so we can start with relationships. You know, the fact of the matter is, if you want to have a good relationship, you have to be a good relationship. Um, you, you know, when I talk to people about relationships, you typically hear things like, uh, well, they don't do this for me and they should do that and I expect this. And, and you get all these kinds of uh, codependent arrangements. It's almost like you have tacit agreements, you know, uh, well, I did this for you, so why wouldn't you do this for me? Uh, this person just drives me crazy because of the way they have their toothpaste on. Our belief system about what a relationship is and how that relationship should operate is whether or not, I mean, it determines whether or not the relationship will work. Today, more than half of the marriages, first marriages, end in divorce, and mm-hmm. over 70% of the third marriages end in divorce, and the number is in the middle for second marriages. And and, th- and that all comes down to what you expect out of a relationship. You know, I talked with Ariel Ford not long ago about her book, Wabi Sabi Love. And Wabi Sabi is a, it's a Japanese ascetic. It, it essentially says this, you know, it is the imperfections in the world that make the world wonderful. Uh, so according to Wabi Sabi, if you had a vase and the vase had a crack in it, well, you'd turn that crack out so that everyone coming in would see it first. You might even light it up so you see that. It's kind of the Persian idea that you can't make a perfect rug because that would offend God. So we, we sew in an imperfection by design. Right. All right, look, if I begin to look at my relationships from a standpoint of two things. What can I bring to the relationship? What can I give to this relationship? If I convolute that model, I'm no longer thinking about what I take, but what I can give. Well, what happens automatically is I receive more. That just seems to be a law of the universe. Call it what you sow is what you reap. I'm not sure how you, you deal it, but that seems to be what what happens, what returns. When I begin to look at the unique characteristics of the person I'm with, and I look at them in favor, they are, after all, what makes this person who the person is. If I if I can even find the good in him, if I can, yeah, I can look at that toothpaste on the counter and, and, and think, well, you know, she brushes her teeth so I can kiss her, and, you know. Uh, I mean, <laughs> right, look in the positive. If I choose to do that, if I reframe the, the situation, well. everything right. changes. Right. And that's all a matter of belief. Right. We, our beliefs, you know, they they literally infiltrate the entire area of our lives. And mm-hmm. and 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 I and I try to break this down and make it simple, but but the bottom line comes down to this. For most people, we have beliefs that are dysfunctional. And we can measure them as obviously as by looking at everything in our life we're unhappy with. Mm. Okay. Now, if we're unhappy with something, then what is the underlying belief that stops us? Uh, Listen, there are people in the world that say, I want to be successful. I want to make a lot of money. And I know you talk to these people, really. Okay. (laughs) You know, hey. And and I've had these seminars where I I say to people, how many of you would like to make a million dollars this year? You're going to earn a million dollars. Every hand goes up, you know. Right. but then you know when I when we get a little further in, you've got to believe it. You've got to you know tell right. yourself this year they I'm going to earn a million. They can see it. They, that's right. And then we're going to step sideways, and you know what happens? We're going to change the context a little bit, and we're going to talk about the national debt. We're going to talk about you know uh, the Wall Street. We're going to talk about, and then we're going to say, what do you think? Should we tax these rich cats? You know. Take some, and they're going to say, yeah, tax them. Right. See? Now, that's right. dissonant, isn't it? Right. If you right. pull up behind somebody and they've got that Aston Martin that you always wanted, saying right. to yourself, that greedy, rich SOB, all that does is push it away from you. Looking and, at it and saying, wow, great for you, that's for me too. Right. That brings it to me. Well, where are these dissonant thoughts? They're in my beliefs. Right. I, I have not stopped to examine them. I don't see how they compete with one another. I don't see how they tie me up. Yeah, I know you've seen real lots and lots of people that get mm-hmm. right there, close to being successful, and suddenly something happens. 
Right. So they they try it all over again, and then suddenly something happens. You know, it falls apart. Right. That's typically a classical example of self-destructive behavior, self-sabotage, that occurs because of psychological defense mechanisms based on a false belief. You're right. going to have these beliefs, and they're going to empower mechanisms, and those mechanisms are going to exist so that you can fit in, not be rejected, find an adaptive way to be accepted, and in that process, deny yourself of who you are and yeah. all your opportunities. And you, and you live your life. So you live somebody, I mean, that's one of the things, like, I mean, I have so many things I want to talk to you about. You know, we always try to measure our success by someone else's success. We really don't focus on our, what does success mean to us and, and, and uh, you know, what the process is. You know, how can I get there? And what is stopping me? You know, like, I mean, obviously, you know, we, we work on a similar things. I work with my clients on obstacles, and these are limited, you know, uh, um, things that are getting in their way from achieving from being the person they want. And these are based on their beliefs. And if I ask them a question and I go into details and ask them, so what? So what if you don't get that position? What would that mean to you? What if you do get that position? How does that help you? But a lot of time we don't see it that way. We really see it from, from, you know, it's like, okay, well, Mr. John got, you know, um, a car that is whatever. I really need to, to be measured as a successful person. I need to be driving a car just like him. So people can see me as being successful. That's a very valuable point. You're absolutely right. You know, we we need to recognize our uniqueness, and we need to judge our success uh, on, on the basis of what it is that gives rise to our own happiness absolutely. and how close we have come to fulfilling our own potential. It isn't about what somebody else does. It's about what we do. You know, all that we can possibly do with our lives is but the only way we can return the gift the giver gave us when we were created. I mean, and and, and i got to, you know, there's one more really critical thing we need to let the audience know. The latest research shows us that 90% of the decisions you're going to make are made by the unconscious. That's how important this habit of belief is. That 90% is going to be made not just by the unconscious, but listen, a technician watching your brain make a decision can know 10 seconds before you do what you're going to decide. Now, if that doesn't alarm you about the stuff you have in your mind right now, it should. It should. It really should. All the more reason to monitor it and to work on it, as Rhea was suggesting earlier. Yes. I, I love what you said, the power of belief, the absolutely awesome, incredible power of belief is the genie in your life. Amen. Amen. I say amen, too. When I read that, I was like, I have to read this out loud. It is so true. So true. So true. Well, then I kept you, you know, Right at the hour, we didn't take, give you any break. I apologize, but let me tell you, oh, I, I can't even cover half of the stuff I wanted to cover with you. I, you know, I mean, we want to talk about hypnosis and I, I, one of the things. Let me, let me ask you one more question, if that's okay with you. Okay, go ahead. That came to my mind, and I, I kind of like want to answer your own question because I read that in your book. You said, "How do you view yourself as a noun or a verb?" And I'm gonna like, if you were to ask me that question, I will tell you I view myself as a verb. That's so can good. you, like, uh, um, talk a, just a briefly on that? Sure, sure. Uh, real quick, like, years ago, uh, as a student of metaphysics and philosophy, uh, I encountered uh, some of the work of uh, the, the great philosopher and geometrist Pythagoras. Pythagoras had a mystical school, in addition to being the musician, mathematician, etc. He was a mystic, and this school was called or known as the Pythagorean Brotherhood. And Of course, there were certain criteria that had to be satisfied before you could enter the Brotherhood. One of the final, in fact, the final test was you appeared before the entire Brotherhood, Pythagoras included, and you announced one thing. You could profess to know as absolutely 
true, absolutely certain, the so-called epistemological certainty. You knew this without a doubt, okay? Now, on cue, the Brotherhood would challenge you over that. They would uh, ridicule, uh, attack you logically, uh, laugh at you, cajole, etc. And if you were dissuaded by them, you didn't gain acceptance. And many didn't gain acceptance for that reason. And I thought, what is it that I would say if I if if I had that opportunity? I mean, you can't. I mean, what are you going to say? Um, I believe there's a God, and they're going to come after me. Okay, is a man or a woman? You know, have you seen him? Is he sit on a throne? Is he all powerful? Can he make a rock so large you can't lift it? If he's so good, all good. How come he made Adam with a bad will? I mean, if Adam <laughs> didn't have a deficient will, Adam would never have sinned. Right. See, they're going to come after me, and I know that. See, <laughs> right. So, all right. So what am I going to say? I'm going to say this. I am certain that I am an experience experiencing. Mm-hmm. We are all an experience right this minute, experiencing. Mm-hmm. And you know, when I had when when I had that epiphany, it occurred to me immediately how that changes everything. Right. I'm not thinking of myself as going back to where we opened, Dr. Eldon Taylor, mm-hmm. living in Spokane, Washington, has a little With horse With your beautiful ranch. bride. I love how you yeah, always talk you know. about your wife as your beautiful yeah. bride. <laughs> I, I, I don't think of myself that way now. Right. I think of right. myself as a verb, not a noun, not right. a name, place, and thing, right. but a verb. Right. I am experiencing, and, and by recognizing the experience, I can be fully in the moment and fully mindful, and I can share my experience with you, with all, with, with with everyone in that's involved in your show right this minute, all the listeners, and maybe those that will listen to a recording years down the road. As Walt Whitman said, though our hearts are stout and brave, still they're beating distant funeral marches to the grave. You know, so maybe I'm long gone, and they're still listening. Nevertheless, the experience, that's what's real. That's what. That's what lasts. True. That's what endures. You want to live forever? Leave them with something to remember you by, right? Yes. yes. That's why I always say, I mean, you know, always. A well Right. You know, Alden, I just wanted to tell our listener uh, the the uh, the book. I believe I highly, really highly recommend that you get it because the book not only. It's it's uh, it's a book that you're gonna read. You're gonna you're gonna read a lot of stories. It's it's very um, easy read. Uh, Dr. Taylor Alden, my friend, shares with you a lot of reflections. So in the end of every chapter, he'll he'll reflect on some of the topics that he talks about, some of the chapters and and uh, how our beliefs and and through the stories and everything. And it makes you really think. It's a really definitely a thought provoking. It makes you look at life in a different way. It makes you think in a new way. And I love that about your work, uh, Alden, because you truly do. And, of course, you know, we didn't get to talk about your your, um, hypnosis CDs and some of the work that you do. But can you share with our listener, you have uh, some promo going on until next week. Is that still available and if you want to share on the air? It is. Indeed, you can go to it right now, and thank you, Rhea, for being a part of it. But uh, you can go to my website, eldentaylor.com, and uh, there you'll see a banner for the release of the paperback uh, of, uh, I believe, and the book. uh, If you click on that banner, you can get the book of Barnes & Noble, Books a Million, uh, Amazon. But by getting the book, you also are entitled then to... Uh, accessed in over $10,000 in special gifts and uh, awards. And most of them are, are just gifts. There's, there, there are a few prizes that are done by drawing, but most everything is gifts. And, and the illuminaries, like Rhea, uh, hundreds of them have offered some special uh, gift of their own mm-hmm. just just as you know, their way of saying, "Hey, we want you to read this book. This is an important, uh, important book. This can help you in your life." And, and I I'm very do grateful, so. very grateful to you, Ria, and everyone else who's participated. In oh, you are so beautiful. It's always my pleasure. I mean, obviously, what we, I'm saying here is I am part of the campaign uh, um, the, with the book launch. 
for Alden and I'm also offering uh, uh, some gifts on on the uh, through the book launch. And Alden, I promise me you'll be back because I have so much stuff I want to talk with you about. <laughs> Lucky me! I can't wait, Rhea. You're great. You. I really, truly, I think you are a genius. I know you. You're such a moderate and humble person, but you 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 have so much that you can share with us, you know, and and teach us. And and uh, please continue, continue your amazing work and share it with us and. I, whatever I can also be in any service that I can, you know, spread the word, please reach out to me as always. I will. I love thank the you experience, so and you are great. Thank you. Oh, I Ed. thank you with all my Bye-bye. heart. Thank you so much. And thanks to everybody who's listening. And make sure you remember, the show will be archived the minute we go off the air. It will also be available on iTunes for a free download in the podcast. Download it, listen to it. I think Alden said and shared with you a lot of great information. And please question everything and and question your beliefs and why do they exist in your life and and where are they coming from? Are they coming from a place of love or place of fear? And when you're afraid of something, ask yourself why. What makes you afraid of whatever it is that you're going to be doing? So until next time, my friends, all to you all, much love. Thank you. Be amazing. Are you ready to put an end to thinking about how you wish it were and take action? Take this step to find out more by going to coachingbyria.com and you can receive your free consultation session with Coach Rhea. I love what Maya Angelou had to say about the power of the spoken word. She said, I quote, Words mean more than what is set down on paper. It takes the human voice to infuse them with deeper meaning, end quote. And that is the reason I made the decision to put my words into an audiobook. So please check out my spoken words in my new audiobook, Your Life, Your Way. The 10 must-have goals to improve your life. It's now available. You can either go to my website at www.coachingbyria.com and purchase it there. You can also download the book from iTunes by going to the link I provided in the show page or simply go to iTunes stores and put my name in the search, Coach Ria Wilkie, and you will be able to download the audiobook from there. And I do thank you all for doing so. And if you um, like to write a review, please do so. And I'm always grateful to be in service. Thank you. Mm-hmm.